What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Young Adult Podcast, where we'll be engaging in weekly conversations around the amazing, tough, fun, weird, but extremely important and defining season of your 20s, and hopefully bring a biblical perspective to your season. My name is Andrew Matrone. I'll be your host today alongside Connor Grimm. What's up, everybody? What's up? Connor and I are both young adult pastors at Red Rocks Church in Denver, Colorado. Uh, we love and believe in this age group and want to see this group not only thrive right now, but set yourself up by building out the right foundation to thrive through your 30s, 40s, and beyond. And our goal of this podcast is to dive into conversations that will push you, challenge you, and hopefully inspire you to begin to walk in the fullness of who God created you to be, which we believe will make you the most effective for the kingdom of God. Let's dive into this week's episode titled, What the World Needs from You. So, Connor, there's a lot of things going on in our world today, right? I mean, if, if, if you're listening later on, uh, months down the road, we are currently in June of 2020. Uh, but a lot of things going on in our world today. Right now, we're in the midst of a global pandemic, and there's a lot of different things going on with that. Uh, job loss, stock market loss, um, a lot of people just struggling, people dealing with sickness and all sorts of stuff going on with that. Uh, we've had a lot of recent killings of unarmed black men and women with Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Ar- Arbery, and George Floyd. And there's just been a lot of social unrest in our country, protests and riots. Um, we're in the middle of a political race that's ramping up. And it's already pretty uglier, and it's not going to be getting any prettier anytime soon. And our world just feels really unsettling our world we kind of just feel like we're in this whirlwind and it feels quite overwhelming if you were open up your news app (laughs) it's stressful it it, it causes a a lot of angst uh in in your soul and in our country right now there's a lot of fear there's a lot of disunity there's a lot of fighting there's a lot of unrest and it seems like we have these great moments but then it just it seems like there's a lot of disunity within our country and um I found myself wrestling a lot with how I feel towards everything going on. Yeah, there's a lot to think about. Yeah, it's it's been a, a difficult thing to navigate. We've never really quite had to navigate, at least in our lifetime. Yeah. We've never really had to quite navigate something like this. And I've had this big question in my mind of, how do I respond? Like, how do I respond as a man? How do I respond as, as a father, as a husband? But But most importantly, how do I respond to this current state of our world and culture, how do I respond as a believer? And I've, I've been praying a lot through this. And here's one thing that I've really come to be reminded of in my prayer time that God has reminded me, especially this week, that Andrew, the world is constantly changing, but the word of God is not. Yeah. The world is constantly changing. The word of God is not. Isaiah 48 says, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God stands forever, that no matter what goes on in our world that can constantly change, the word of God and who God calls us to be does not change. Yeah. I think what you were saying earlier, we, for the first time in a lot of people's life, in my generation, we are 
kind of faced with this reality that our world is not as clean and as perfect as we probably thought, just right. living at our normal nine to five, Monday to Friday, whatever. Um, I think right now we're really kind of experiencing and seeing the effects of sin when that comes to um, the blatant racism that's being exposed, not just from person to person, but even in the, the constructs of our country, like foundational and systematical. Um, we're seeing sickness and disease um, take its toll on hundreds of thousands right. of people. And I think we're realizing the things in the past that used to kind of mask or veil um, all these problems are sort of becoming exposed. Um, we're, we're revealed that actually our world is is broken and it's it's hurting. And not only is it hurting, but I think for the first time, our generation is hearing the cry of a broken and hurting world mm -hmm. in uh, multiple facets, income, job loss, um, race issues, health issues. We're seeing and hearing the effects of a world that's crying out. And I think that um, now more than ever, we're witnessing firsthand that the world is actually searching for something that it thought it had. Right. The world is searching for something that it thought it had, and we're realizing that whatever cultural narrative we bought into, regardless of your background, race, religion, whatever that cultural narrative was that made you feel comfortable and safe is no longer there. Mm. It's been pulled out from under you. Um, and the concepts and the ideas that we anchored our hope to when it came to our job or our health or our finances – it has kind of been taken away from us. Right. And so the world is sort of crying out. And what's interesting is the world, I think right now our culture is crying out for very specific things. We're definitely hearing a clear cry for justice. Um, we're hearing a cry for peace and for unity. Our world is in desperate search of vision, something to cling on to in a direction right. to go. Our world's asking for love and healing and hope. And what's interesting about these things is all of these things that the world is crying out for that they thought they had a grip on, all of these things are the fingerprints and the evidence of the kingdom of God, not just one day in heaven, but here on earth through his church. And so I believe that there's this real tension we as young adults live in, um, as young adult believers in today's climate, where the world, for the first time we are recognizing is loudly crying out for something that we have. Mm -hmm. And so I think the natural question becomes, what is our response to this cry from our culture? Yeah, and I, I think that I found myself getting really frustrated with the world that we live in and getting so bothered by everything that's been going on and, and really, like, confused and I, I was talking with a, a mentor the other day, uh, mostly just crying to him about the world and this world sucks right now. And and he said to me, he stopped me and he was like, it sounds like you've been putting a lot of hope in, in a world that you were never supposed to put your hope into. And I think that so many people have gotten to this place in life where you put a lot of hope into the things of this world to make us feel safe to make us feel secure to make us feel like things are going good and then all of a sudden these past few months the world is actually acting like the broken world that it is yeah and i think that sometimes we we want to we think that a broken world shouldn't act broken yeah or we think that broken people shouldn't act broken and so if anything i think this has created such 
a, a difficult but beautiful dichotomy of, of what um, of how we as believers should actually engage with this world that we that I think people in this world, whether believer or not, I think are seeing for one of the first times, maybe not the first time, but at least more intensified of this world is broken yeah. and this world is hurting. And I think that one thing that the Bible, because we talked about that the Bible does not change no matter what happens uh, in generations, no matter what happens with with culture, that the Bible is never changing. And I think one thing that the Bible makes abundantly clear when it comes to this world and how we engage with it and the people with it is that no matter what happens in this world, the way that we as believers respond is that we must follow the example of Christ. Yeah. Like you, in, in this culture, so many people, how do I respond to this as a believer? We follow the example of the Christ. And, and Jesus and the teachings of Paul are really clear throughout Scripture that we're called to follow the example of Christ. That you first come to a relationship with Jesus, and then you begin to follow the life of Jesus. First Peter 2.21 says, For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. A new commandment I give to you, that you would love one another, even as I have loved you. You also need to love one another. Um, the one who says he abides in him ought to himself walk in the same manner as he walked. First Corinthians 11.1 1 says, Be imitators of me, just as I also am Im- imitator of Christ. And I think it's important to understand that the Word of God never wavers on its stance of how believers should be responding to our current world and our current culture. Yeah, it, it never wavers. The, the truth doesn't need any caveats. Truth needs grace. It doesn't need caveats. If, if truth is circumstantial, then it's not truth at all because truth should be truth no matter what you're facing. Um, and here's what's so cool about it. As, as Christians, as young adult believers, Jesus is the literal embodiment of truth. He's the truth of God in the flesh. John 1.1 1, 1 says he's the word of God that never wavers, never changes, made flesh. And he's a real living example. I think a lot of times our, as Christians and even in our culture, we love to think of Jesus as the living example of grace and love. But in that exact same package, he's the living example of truth and justice. And to see how Jesus interacted with so many different people, um, hostile people towards his message, and even hostile environments. Like, I think we like, uh, I've heard this phrase, chronological snobbery. We like to think that just because we're living in our culture, our generation right now, nobody's faced problems like we have. Right. But Jesus lived in hostile environments. Mm-hmm. He he lived in areas that would have experienced famine and sickness and disease. And, and he lived a life that pointed people to God in those moments. Um, and it's eye-opening to see the example that he leaves us to follow, because I think it's a lot more relatable than we sometimes might give it credit for. Um, so relatable, in fact, that Jesus actually wears a title. It's only mentioned once in the Bible, but it's actually my favorite title that he's given. Matthew eleven eighteen and 19 says this. Um, this is Jesus speaking, and he's kind of talking to his disciples about things that are being said about him. He said, Why is that when John came to you, neither feasting nor drinking wine, you said he has a demon in him? Sorry, he's talking to the Pharisees. He says, But yet, when the Son of Man came... 
and I did go to feast and I did drink wine. You said, look at this man. He's nothing but a glutton and a drunkard. He spends all of his time with tax collectors and sinners. And I love that. Apparently, Jesus was known by many people as a friend of sinners. And I say all that to say this. Jesus was the physical embodiment of the unwavering truth of God. Mm. Yet there was something about his life that was very attractive to his culture and his society. There was something about Jesus who never once wavered in his truth that drew people that did not believe the way that he did to him. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a very interesting example to follow, but I think that is the example that he left for us to follow. How do you be an unwavering person of truth while still being attractive to people with with grace to balance that? Yeah, because I do think that Jesus was so attractive because Jesus was so countercultural. Yeah. For hundreds of years, society had walked one way, and then all of a sudden you have this man who walks this earth and starts speaking a different gospel, a different message, starts living a different way. And I think that our culture and our world is really hungry for the exact same thing. I've said this a lot where I think that church culture— uh, I think our church has struggled with this in moments. Why has every single church that I know has struggled with this this feeling that I think that we've tried to look, the church has tried to look a lot like culture yeah. and sprinkle a little bit of Jesus in. Yeah. Because we want to, we think that that's how we're attractive to the outside world. Like, hey, we look just like you. Yeah. But we also believe in this too. Mm-hmm. But I think what our world is really, really hungry for is something that looks nothing like yeah. culture. Seriously, I think I think the church for so long has tried to be relatable, to show people, especially our parents' generation, that, hey, you don't have to wear khakis and a collared shirt to come in here. But if somebody, like, I, I hate using the phrase worldly, but if somebody that's not a follower of Jesus wants to relate to somebody, they can go to the bar. They can go wh- wherever they normally go for friendship and community. I think what the world is asking for now is I need something different, yeah. you know? And and I think it's super healthy, um, the seeker-sensitive movement within churches worldwide. Um, and I think it's laid a great groundwork to let everybody know that they're welcome in church. Mm-hmm. But I think now is the time for church to say, while everyone is welcome, there's something different about this place. God's here. Jesus is here. Yeah. And he has the power to transform you, not just the ability to relate to you, but to actually change you. Yeah. And I think that's what the world's looking for right now. Well, it's, it's, it's why Jesus came full of grace and full of truth. Yeah. Like Jesus came to, it, like the, the story of the, the woman caught in adultery, like Jesus defended her had grace over her, but then as soon as everybody else walked away, he turned to her and said, now I'm going to sin no more. Yeah, change. So, here, so here's truth. Yeah. So I'm going to defend you with my with my grace, but I'm, I'm going to disciple you with my truth. And I think that our world is really, really hungry for some kind of truth. Yeah. And the thing is that truth, it, it, sometimes it hurts your emotions like it hurts like your, your mindset, but it really feeds your soul. Oh, yeah. And and I think that I see that all the time with with 20-somethings. I had multiple Zoom combos with 20-somethings this week. And I'm like, can I just be really, really blunt with you and be really honest with what I feel like the Holy Spirit is is like is pushing you towards? 
and, and I and I say it, and it does something to your soul when you experience truth. And our our world is hungry for truth. We live in a fake news culture. Yeah, like you could read. 10 articles about the same exact topic and all of them are completely different. And I think our, our world is hungry for, for, and I think that's why Jesus was attractive because Jesus loved people. He was a friend of sinners, but he also called them to something yeah. different in their I, life. I think sinners saw something real in Jesus. Yeah. And I don't know, I've, I've never read this, but I feel like this is, if I could summarize almost every question I get about spirituality and faith when it comes from people in their college age to 20s and even early 30s is what's real. Mm-hmm. I think I think our parents wanted to feel welcome. And I think now our generation knows we're welcome. And I even think that the younger generation knows we're welcome in church. Now what's real? I'm ready for mm-hmm. what's real, even if it offends my thinking right, right now. And so that's what's so awesome about Jesus. He was totally welcoming, totally inviting, full of grace. Yeah. But then he was real. He had mm-hmm. truth that offended and challenged people, but weirdly drew them to himself. Yeah. And I think that's that's what our world's looking for right now. Well, yeah, because I, I think back in the day, not not even that long ago, like in our parents' generation, it was like all all are welcome. But we live in a world right now, the Gen Z is the most accepting generation. Yeah. So our world isn't questioning, is everybody welcome? So if, if you're a church and you're not accepting and welcoming to people, then you're going to get canceled, yeah. as so our culture loves to say. Yeah. yeah. So I think, like, yeah, we, we should be accepting. We actually live in a pretty accepting culture. That, that's a whole other topic for another day. Um, but I think now what they're looking for is, like, give me something real. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that's for us at, at young adults. I want someone to walk away from one of our services or even a podcast and be like, man, I felt something different. Yeah. And I think that's what people walked away from Jesus being like, there's something different about this man mm-hmm. that I think I might want to follow. And and that's why like the the thought of this podcast is that when you look at our current situation and our current culture. If you don't know how to respond to a current situation in life, you look at the life of Jesus. And and people are like, what 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 is it? What does that look like? I'm like, just read the read the New Testament. Look yeah. at uh, look at the stories of how Jesus interacted with people. Um how he interacted with people in tough situations, people were hurting and broken, how he interacted with religious people. And the life of Jesus was full of of peace and joy and patience, grace, truth. He was forgiving, but Jesus was also like courageous. He was loving. He was humble. He was a servant. It says that Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve. Um, he was discipler, defender. He stood up for the broken. He stood up for the hurting. And I think that we we tend to look at the qualities of Jesus as maybe like these passive qualities, yeah. right? That that Jesus just came to this earth with. His this white guy and he wasn't white. This white guy with this long, flowing, beautiful hair, and he was just like holding sheep and just so. But the qualities of Jesus were active. Mm-hmm. Were like him engaging and Jesus responding, uh, forgiving, being courageous, loving, uh, being a servant, standing up for the broken and hurting was an active response of of Jesus. And so I think that we have to look at our culture 
in this time that we're in and take a step back from all of our, because we're all like pretty amped up, right? Oh, yeah. Like you've had moments where you've been pretty amped up. <laughs> Got in a couple of Instagram fights. <laughs> yeah, like we're all pretty amped up about a lot of the things that we feel. And everybody feels something a little bit different because we all have different stories, different backgrounds, different upbringings different circumstances that have happened to us. We're all a little amped up in our own way, but we have to, especially as a believer, the rest of the world just responds. Mm -hmm. We have to be able to step back for a moment and look at the current situation and ask ourselves the question, like, how would Jesus respond? Yeah. And I think as a young adult, if you, if you're willing to take that risk, because I think a lot of times following Jesus is packaged as the safest thing you can do. Mm -hmm. But if you read your Bible honestly, it's one of the riskiest things you could possibly do with your life yeah. because Jesus asks you to set your your preconceived notions, your reputation, um, all that aside, your opinions, and go all in on what he calls good, right, fair, and just. Mm -hmm. And you can find yourself out on a limb pretty quick fighting for hurting people. Um, when you take that step to following Jesus. So as a young adult, I feel like if you, two things, I guess, when it comes to responding, what the world needs from you right now is uh, Amos 5, um, really famous chapter in the Bible talking about justice and righteousness. And I talked about this a couple of weeks ago in one of my messages, but the word for um, justice in this is not just when peace arrives, it's fighting to make peace happen. Mm -hmm. And I think if you're a young adult wondering, how do I respond to a broken world? It's time to be active. Yeah. I think if you need to move, I don't know what that looks like for you, mm -hmm. um, but the days of sitting back and posting on Instagram, but not having your life follow your mouth, right. sort of say, um, that's over. I think you need to be ready to move because Jesus doesn't just hope for justice. He wants activation. He wants people to take steps. And then two, you got to be ready to be misunderstood because Jesus was constantly misunderstood. People mm -hmm. thought he was a drunk. People thought he was a glutton. People thought he was a sinner himself because of the people he hung out with. Mm -hmm. I think if you're going to be effective, um, there are going to be people that don't understand what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and then hopefully there will be people that will cheer you on and champion you as you fight to love as many people as you can and, and fight to mend however much you can of our broken world. Yeah. Do you remember those uh, WWJD bracelets? Had one. They actually made a, a bit of a comeback like a couple months ago. They did. Yeah. yeah. I know that because Luke Gregory was wearing one. <laughs> I think I had one for a while. My son broke it. Uh, WWJD bracelet, if you're listening and, and you know, I, it uh, means what would Jesus do? And I think back in the day when we went to our Pentecostal youth groups back in the day, it was kind of a ploy to get a yes. high schooler to, before they made a bad decision to look at that. It was like <laughs> any any high schooler that was in a relationship got a WWJD. <laughs> <laughs> and the true love waits ring that yes. you put on your ring finger. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I was thinking about that this week as we were kind of talking about this podcast, like what does the world need from us and, and, and kind of stepping back from your own feelings and emotions. Say, okay, what would Jesus do? I, I've been called to set like follow the example of Jesus. So I need to do that. I need to actually be active and asking in this current situation, how would Jesus respond? And I came across uh, some history of the 
WWJD bracelets. It actually was this this thought was created by this guy named Charles M. Sheldon, who is this pastor and social activist in the 1800s. And he didn't create the bracelets, obviously. Um, but he kind of coined this phrase in this book that he wrote uh, called In His Steps, What Would Jesus Do? And, and the cool thing, I started researching about this guy, and he was actually a national leader in what was known as a social gospel movement that put social issues at the forefront of religious life. And this guy is widely known for his writings for social activism, including civil rights. And his whole life was revolved around this thought of injustice and the things that are going on and dealing with the hurt and broken in the culture in our world and having this thought, what would Jesus do? That if I follow the ways of Jesus, I might just be able to create some change and I might be able to shift the trajectory of someone's eternal salvation. And I just loved it because it was like this guy was living in today's world asking the same exact question, like, how do I respond? And I think I know how to respond. I think I must follow the example of Jesus Christ. And I think that we, we just can't get away from this thought is that what the world needs is Jesus. And, and I understand like the world needs some new policies and the yeah. world needs to look at some things differently. <clears throat> but we as believers can't get back to the core of what this world really needs. This world needs Jesus. Yeah. This broken world needs this understanding and this salvation with this man who went to the cross for this broken world. And how do people see Jesus? They see Jesus through the life of followers of Jesus. Yeah. Like we present Jesus to people by representing Jesus to people. And it doesn't mean that we have to stand on a stage with a mic. It doesn't mean that we have to protest. And if those are things that you, you feel like God is calling you to do, man, do it. Mm -hmm. um, but I believe that Jesus gives us a really clear playbook on how to respond in our current culture. Yeah. I think um, there's a verse, a few verses that come to mind. Um Matthew 5, 14 through 16, Jesus is talking and he says, You're light of the world, a town built on a hill that can't be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everybody in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And what I like about that is Jesus is basically telling believers, followers of him, live your life wide open. Let people see what I'm doing in your life. Open up your life to other people. I think as a Christian, we have this tendency to sort of shy away or hide ourselves from worldly issues or uh, to engage in, in our world or our culture because we we know that we're in the world, but we're not of the world. And I get that to some degree, but um, I, I love the translation of the message in 1 Corinthians 6, 11. He basically says this, Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. And I'm going to speak to you as plainly as I can with great affection. Open up your life. Live open and expansively. Hmm. And I think the example that Jesus gave to us, and I don't think he ever states it um, in a way that was recorded, but you can just see by the pattern of the life that he lived, he lived his life open. Mm -hmm. People from every different walk of life followed him because they could see how he was living. It matched what he was saying. And 
it was it was a draw. Like they were attracted to that. And I think for so long the church, kind of like what we were talking about earlier, thought, okay, we need to relate to the world. And so we'll kind of tuck away the churchy things, the promises of God. We need to tuck away God's favor, God's blessing. Even we need to tuck away the things we're wrestling through, the heartache, because that's not relatable. Yeah. Um, but I think that's what people want to see somebody that's going through a struggle and that has hope that doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. People want to see someone that is going through a really tough time in life, but has peace that surpasses all understanding. Yeah. People want to see somebody who's up on a hill or, or having a mountaintop moment in life, but isn't all consumed by their, their accomplishments and is actually humble in a moment of triumph. Like, that's what's drawing people. And I think we kind of reverse the playbook. Jesus says, open up your life. And we're like, well, no, we're going to close our life and kind of show people that we're relatable. But really, it's like, hey, come examine my life. I'm not perfect, never claim to be. But I think you can see God's goodness woven throughout my story. Mm. And I think that's the play for every single Christian is live your life open. Don't be ashamed. Don't be shy. You don't got to start fights with people or, or pick theological fights. You just have to live your life yeah. openly and available for mm-hmm. people. And I think they'll start to see yeah. that God thread woven out throughout your life. Yeah, and I and I think like what you're explaining there is is us humbling ourselves and walking. This we do not live in a very humble world. No. And walking in humility, I think, is such an attractive quality. What, what I love in, in Philippians, it it says like, how do we, how are we lights in a corrupt and crooked generation? But right before that, it gives the example of Jesus and how Jesus served and how Jesus walked in humility. And then it says to follow that example. Yeah. And we do. We live in a. And I'm not gonna stay in a box and say, we're a wicked, crooked generation. But we are. It's the world that we live in. We live in a, in a broken world. Like, quit expecting the world to not be that. Yeah. But how are we lights, like you talked about, within this world? I think what Jesus talks about is serving, seeing people uh, more than ourselves or, um, and, and walking with a level of humility. And, you know, the Scripture— talks about like what are we called to like let's throw some practical ways out of what are we called to be in this season of life uh, galatians 6 2 talks about carrying burdens just carry each other's burdens and this is uh the way you will fulfill the law of christ like right now we have a great opportunity to carry the burdens of our brothers and sisters yeah and we're seeing that play out especially with with the black community big time that hey if, if you're a white believer Carry the burdens. Yeah. It's no longer an option. Yes. your job as a Christian. There's something about coming alongside somebody who is hurting and broken. Mm-hmm. That's what Jesus did. Mm-hmm. Jesus showed grace and then Jesus showed truth. Like, we have to carry each other's burdens. Like, we have to get into people's, like, the muck of their life yeah. that, that, are, that are struggling. Um, people who are dealing with job loss in this season. Like, you have— Think about this. You work at a place where you lost your job. Okay, it sucks. But there's a lot of the people that work at your same organization who lost their job who don't know Jesus. Mm-hmm. And what a beautiful opportunity that you have, despite your circumstance, despite what's going on in your life, to still be generous, yeah. to still carry 
burdens of yeah of other people. Yeah, one thing I think for me, a lot of times when I hear stuff like this, I kind of get overwhelmed, and I'm like, that that all sounds great, but like, how do I start? Like, what's what would be my a very first step, or what's like a very easy entry level? thing to do. Right. And for me, when I find myself being lazy in my faith, when I find myself um, taking a step back and, and not like Amos says, being active right. and bringing peace or justice, it literally can be as simple as this. I find myself challenging myself to do this, say something encouraging or call out potential in somebody else. And this might sound so cheesy, but when, when I read the first couple chapters of the New Testament, when Jesus is bringing his disciples he literally just calls out potential in them and says, follow me. Mm-hmm. Like with Nathaniel, super doubtful of who Jesus was. He's like, hey, I can see you're not easily fooled. You're a smart guy. Come follow me. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay. And so it could be like a neighbor. It could be somebody. You could Just like build them up. Speak God's potential over somebody's life and believe that. Uh, like sometimes I just go go up to somebody like I'm playing basketball with or maybe somebody that I've met at church before. I'm just like, hey. I honestly believe God's got awesome plans for you. And it might sound so generic, but it's true. I believe that, like, for, just for everybody. So even if it's just a small step like that that's going to get you moving, make that step. Like, take that step. Start to mimic how Jesus interacted with people. And I, you'll find yourself being closer and closer to him because you're following in step with his life more and more and more. Yeah. How do you feel like we do that, like on social media? Because yeah. espe- especially in this in this season right now, of we don't have a ton of engagement with yeah. people, some more than others, but um, illegally. I don't know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but how, like, how how do, how do we do that in this current season? Because we're not around yeah. people all the time, like. And I, I, I see a lot on social media. What's, what's interesting is I see a lot of people quoting Jesus without the tone of Jesus. Yeah. And or the context of how Jesus said it. Yeah. I think we need to be really, really careful on how we're representing Jesus to people. Mm-hmm. And especially within social media, especially when it comes to like the things that I feel in my opinions. And those things are great. But our opinions as believers, we, they have to line up. Yeah. With the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Don't just go off on some tangent. Don't don't just take your own like lick your thumb and put it out there like, I want to feel this today. No. Yeah. <clears throat> we have to have the reserve as a believer to step back, like I said before, and say, how do I respond to, to this? How to respond to this person? Um, because your post probably isn't gonna do that much. Yeah. But it's gonna be those phone calls those texts, Mm -hmm. those comments, you know. Yeah. I was talking to a friend. um, I I recently gave a message on my thoughts and I believe the Bible's thoughts on racial reconciliation and stuff like that. And I was talking to one of my friends because I was actually really struggling with the end of my message. Um, But I got invited to go downtown to go to uh, a march, uh, not even a protest, really. It wasn't, there was it was one of the most peaceful things I've ever been a part of. But I went to, to a march for the black lives in the Denver community. But I was really struggling with going, not because I didn't want to go, but because I, I was busy. And one of my friends challenged me and was like, hey, your words mean a lot to me right now. It was one of my black friends. And 
but they were like, make sure your words also follow like the conviction of your life. Yeah, like, don't good. sit here and fight for me on social media if your life doesn't actually mm-hmm. back that up. Yeah. And I think as Christians, you're going to be held account to to what you say. Yeah. And so I think for me that that really made me think. What do I post on social media? Does my life line up with this? Is my mm-hmm. is the Holy Spirit leading me in this direction? Right. Because if you're angry about something, you're either showing somebody a gateway to your heart or your actions better be following what your words say. Yeah. And it better be following in line with the Holy Spirit. It's okay to be upset about injustice, but it's not okay just to tweet about it or post about it. Like your life has to be about making peace. Mm-hmm. I think Chad Brugman gave one of the best messages I've ever heard about peacemakers. And he says a lot of times, Christians, we feel like our job is to be peacekeepers. Yeah. But the Bible <clears throat> never says that. The Bible said, blessed are the peacemakers. Yeah. And so I think that mm-hmm. when it comes to social media, are you following the conviction of the Holy Spirit? Because he'll lead you even in social media. Um, and is your life echoing what you're saying? Because it should. And that should be bringing peace, bringing comfort, bringing hope to people and not continuing to cause division, even if it's on the interwebs. Yeah. No, I I, I just feel like kind of with this whole podcast and, and thinking through this, and we've been processing through this thought. And <clears throat> I just think as, as 20-somethings, we have to see what's going on in our world and we have, it, it, sh- it should matter to us. Mm-hmm. It, it should hurt us. Like we talked about in episode two, that your purpose in this life is to know God and to make God known. Yeah. Like, is to find Jesus, follow Jesus, make other followers of Jesus. And, but that's an active thing that we have to respond to uh, in this life. And I think that as a 20 something, this is such an important thing to understand that like your life, it matters right now. Yeah. How you respond matters. Um, and I, I think that we've had a lot of people, cause even myself, I've felt insecure sometimes in this season of like, I don't think I have the right things to say. And I don't think I, but I feel like God has been challenging me of like, you don't have to say all the right things on the podcast or the social media or whatever. But what I need you to do is in the moments that I give you an opportunity, I will give you the right things to say. Yeah. I even pray that today. I said, as I was journaling, as I was reading the word, I said, God, help me understand you better and trust that you'll give me the right things to say at the right time. Mm-hmm. And so I think for, for young adults in this season, what the world needs from you, the world needs Jesus. Mm-hmm. But you're the hands and feet of Jesus. You can be generous. And I know you don't think you have much money, but you can be generous in this season. You can find ways to be generous. You can be loving, you can be supportive, you can be encouraging to people. And that's what the world needs from you right now. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have a mic in your hand. Yeah. You and I think, I think that's the biggest lie and deception that we can buy into is that the world wants to hear from somebody with a microphone. Yeah. The world is not looking to me. The world is looking to every single person that's listening to this podcast for what's next. Mm. Now, it might, it might feel like... If you don't have a lot of visibility, if you don't have your own YouTube channel, whatever, like who cares what you think? That's a lie. Mm -hmm. The world, your employees, your boss, your coworkers, the person that makes your coffee at Starbucks, whatever, they are looking at you. 
for yeah. hope, for vision, for peace, for whatever. You are a leader in your sphere of influence. Mm-hmm. And so this this matters. You need to move. Like yeah. the, what the world needs from you is everything that you have available in you because of Christ who's in you and yeah. the Holy Spirit who's leading you. And and they yeah. and they need you. Like yeah. you got it's time to step up. I heard a pastor say once, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Yes. And I think that's the thought right now. I wish I could just do all. No, you can't. Yeah. But right now, here's your sphere of influence that God has placed you for such a time as this, a very strategic time, and has placed you in the family that maybe you strongly dislike, but he has placed you in this current situation to make an impact for him. And it's one person at a time. It's one conversation at a time. And there's no wasted season. Yeah. No wasted effort. Yeah. Amen. Let's pray for you, Lord. We thank you so much for everyone listening to us today under the sound of our voice. Uh, I pray, Lord, that people were challenged today to listen to the call that you have for them. But, Lord, they're not going to understand what you're calling them to if they're not engaged with you. And I feel like we have a lot of young adult believers who are being tossed by every wave right now and just going the same way, the trajectory that culture and the world is going but Lord, I, in your scriptures, just never changing. Lord, I pray that young adults right now would be encouraged to engage with you. And as they engage with you, Lord, you'll begin to speak to them and show them and, and bring clarity to their lives. And if you're in here or listening, sorry, and, and you don't know Jesus, we want to give you an opportunity to respond to him right now. Maybe uh, you came across this podcast and you've been looking for hope and everything else, but you think that it might just be Jesus. We want to give you a chance to respond. Just right now in your own words, just begin to pray to Jesus and ask him to forgive you of your sins, become Lord of your life. In your own words, just begin to talk to him. You don't have to articulate in a perfect way, but just begin to talk to him, maybe in your room or in the car. And we believe that you'll start a relationship with Jesus today. But Lord, we love you so much, and we thank you for the words that you've spoken to us. We believe that they will not return void. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, y'all, thank you so much for joining us uh, for episode three of the Young Adult Podcast. We will see you next time. Peace out. Bye.